want to introduce Dr. Drew Rubin. He is a teacher for the ICPA. He's been in practice since uh, 1989. Uh, he's been around the block a few times. He has an incredible understanding of the science of neuroplasticity. Uh, one of the teachers for the ICPA that I learned a whole lot from. But I watched him do a bunch of other things that I really was excited about. And uh, I was really excited to get Drew on tonight. So, Dr. Drew Rubin, the floor is yours. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, thank you for that introduction. You know, um, you and I, uh, the first time I remember meeting you was at the ICPA uh, seminar that I did. Uh, and it was right before, I don't know if you remember this, it was, I think there was a hurricane that was blowing through somewhere. And we had to end early so we can rush to the airport. We had the last plane out back to Atlanta. Uh, so I, I remember that. So, uh, oh. but, yeah, it's amazing. But um, so what I wanted to share with you guys, as I was showing uh, uh, Gary before, is this book here. This is called The Chiropractor from 1914. It was um, it was published after Dee Dee Palmer died. Uh, and uh, it was essentially like a collection of his notes. And I, I want to share with you a like a quote from this and then kind of take it from there uh, if you're okay with that. And here's the quote from page 22. <clears throat> Biology is the science of life. Life is intelligent action, movements guided by intelligence. Life exists because of retinancy and elasticity of tissue. These conditions not only permit, but make it possible to receive and actually create a response to an impulse. Impulses are thoughts in transmission over the nerve system. The amount of tension, listen to this, the amount of tension depends upon the relative position of the osseous frame, the neuroskeleton. I love that term, the neuroskeleton, the skeleton of the vertebrates. The neuroskeleton, when in normal position, is a protector of the nerve system, but a nerve disturber when not properly placed. Pressure on any portion of the nerve system increases or impairs its carrying capacity of impulses, causing too much or not enough, here's another great word, functionating. <clears throat> I love those two words, neuroskeleton and functionating. Like to me, like Dee Dee Palmer put the essence of chiropractic right there. Is like, I don't know about you guys, and but my thought process when I practice is I am not, a bone-based chiropractor. I am a nerve system and brain system specialist. And so when Dee Palmer back in 1914 or actually before that was talking about the neuroskeleton, to me, what he was talking about is how the, the, the nerve system, you can't separate the two. You can't say I, I adjust a back or I adjust a bone without touching the nerves like it's all kind of together and to me that is the most beautiful thing about that that whole thought process is we have to our focus in my practice and my practice is mostly pediatrics we see 60 percent kids and most of those kids are on the spectrum um i love taking care of kids on the spectrum because we're changing their nerve system we can change these kids brains and I watch it happen. The key to me, and like John was mentioning before, the key is the neuroplasticity. The key is we are able to change neuroplasticity if we get enough time with them, right? So like, one of, 
I do I do so much teaching about this, and I'm trying to put it keep it into a philosophical construct. But the the way fu- the way functional neurology works, the whole point of it is it's it's of all about three things. It is about frequency, intensity, and duration. Frequency, intensity, and duration. Frequency means how often we're seeing this particular person. So when I look at a person who's on the spectrum, a kid on the spectrum, I talk to their parents, I'm like, if you're not going to give us six months to a year, don't bother. Don't bother starting. Because if we want to change the way this nurse system works, you're going to have to do a lot of work. And that work means you're going to have to be here a lot and you have to do a lot of exercises at home that we will give to you. But that's what frequency is. And then there's intensity. And intensity is not like how strong an adjustment is. It's like, it's not how forceful it is. It is how focused it is. Like how focused can you take your fingertip and put it on an atlas and make it move as if you're doing a regular Gonstead adjustment? Not that either, there's, there's no differentiation between the two, but that's the, the a lot of these kids on the spectrum, you can't do a traditional adjustment on them, especially in the beginning, because their nervous systems are like so crazily wired you do too much input in them they will explode so intensity means focus and then duration means how long a period of time so the frequency is how frequent you know how often we're going to see them intensity is the focus and then how long a time the duration that we're seeing them that's why i ask our parents we got to do this for for six months or don't even bother trying because it's going to take that kind of time to turn things around and we have watched kids come into our practice who were kids who were totally in themselves like this. And by after three to six months, we're watching them start to spell on spelling boards. Some of these kids are minimally speaking, but now they can spell out. We had a kid just the other day who was, he was crying. Uh, he came in and that's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. I took out the spelling board, like a letter board, you know, ABCs on this. And I said, what's going on? And he spelled out L-E-G. He can't say it, but he could spell it. I said, oh, which leg? Point to your leg. And then he was able to point the leg. And this is the kind of stuff that you can get. This is, these kids are so much calmer, so much more, they have so much ability that that a lot of times what we as people do is underestimate these kids on the spectrum, but we really need to overestimate them. They're usually very genius level kids in a very small area right? So they can do some amazing things, but it's in a very restricted area versus a lot of us, we can do a lot of different things really well. Maybe some of us can do a couple of things really, really well, but we can do a lot of things you know, pretty good. These kids don't have that ability. These kids have very restricted abilities, but within that restricted ability is genius. And that's how we have to look at these kids. So when we look, when we talk about the term neuroskeleton, what that means to me is that we are focused on trying to get their nerve system in better position, less disconnected as one of my mentors, Dr. Malillo will talk about, less disconnected. And when we have a reconnected brain and nerve system, now that whole person is working better. And it's because it's the neuroskeleton that we're affecting. It's not the bones we're affecting and it's not the nerves we're affecting, it's the neuroskeleton. And then when he talks about the term functionating, it's another one of my favorite terms, functionating, because it's, it's like, it's sort of a combination of several words kind of put together, but that's exactly what we're trying to do is we're trying to get these kids or even our people with back pain or neck pain or whatever. We're trying to get them to function better, but it's not just functioning, it's functionating. In other words, it takes it a step higher because functionating means, at least from my reading of Didi Palma's work, 
functioning means that their nerve system within the neuroskeleton is working better, right? So it's a broader thing. It's not that things are just aligned. It's things are aligned and the nerve system is working the way it's supposed to. And then I was talking to another patient today. Um, and one of my favorite things like I love talking about with patients is Newton's laws. I love Newton's laws of physics because they're so, at least in my opinion, chiropractically applicable. <clears throat> And here's one of my favorites is Newton's first law is a body at rest will re remain at rest and a body in motion will remain in motion unless it's acted upon by an external force. What does that mean? That means inertia. That means inertia. And uh, what we see with a lot of people today, whether there's a kid on the spectrum who's sitting down and stimming, or we see one of us adults or, you know, or, or, or older kids playing on their phones or playing on their iPads, they're sitting, 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 doing nothing. When, if there's no motion, there is no life. Life is motion. Life is motion. What is a chiropractic adjustment? If you really want to think about it, what is a chiropractic adjustment? A chiropractic adjustment is putting motion into an area that does not have the correct motion in it, right? It's a motor unit and that motor unit is not working the way it's supposed to. So when we adjust that, we're putting motion into an area that is, is in stuck in inertia. It is stuck in rest. And that makes it such a powerful thing, not just for the adult with back pain, but that's why it works with these kids on the spectrum. Because here's, you've got a kid who's normally sitting, stimming him like this, or, or we have kids, they sit on their phones and it's amazing what these kids will do. I don't know if you ever watched a kid on the spectrum on, on a phone, but what they'll do is they'll go and they'll find a video and they'll play it. And then they'll, they'll go back, they'll rewind it. And they're so specific. You get a six-year-old kid who's so specific and they'll rewind it like 20 seconds to play that again. And they play it again and they'll, and they'll go at exactly the same exact spot. And it's amazing. Like they have such trouble with certain fine control, except for the stuff that they want. Because that's where they're at. They're, 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 they're a body in uh, at rest that's stuck in this sort of rest. And when we adjust them, and we adjust them enough times to make neuroplasticity start really working, then we're really starting to enact that Newton's first law. We're putting them in motion. We're getting their nerve system in motion. We're getting their brain and body and the sensory and motor input in motion again. And there, to me, there's nothing more exciting than to have these kids who were completely asocial. They didn't care if there was another human being out there or not. And now all of a sudden they become social creatures, even if they don't ever talk. We had a mom and dad come in the other day with their kid on the spectrum, six-year-old kid on the spectrum. And their number one question, after all, we did a whole neurological workup and then Melillo's basic workup, the Melillo method stuff. And they said, are we going to get, are you going to get my kid to talk? And I said, you know what? First off, as out of my scope, because that's not what we do, right? I'm not a, a speech therapist. So I'm not going to make it. A, a I can't, I can't even promise anything. What I'm going to do is make his nerve system work better. That I know for sure. And, and they said, well, what will that look like? And I said, and I, and I'm totally honest with people. And I'm not going to say it to you. I have no idea. I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is that where he's at now, and he's just, he's sitting there doing this kind of thing and spinning around and looking at objects, you know, he's taking an object like this and just looking at it like this, right? And I said, if he's, if we do nothing, body at rest tends to stay at rest. You get that? Newton's first law, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. 
So we do nothing, he's going to stay there because that's inertia. And when you're stuck in inertia, nothing will change. But what do we do to make those things change is we enact the third law. The third law is for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. If we put a force in, something's got to change. Isn't that cool? That's It gets me so excited. Something's got to change. If we put something in, something's going to change on the other end. If we put something in centrally, something motor's going to come back. Here's the key thing. And the most important thing I tell with our kids on the spectrum, and even with people with back pain, is you've got to have patience. Because it's going to take time to change the inertia. Your body is used to the inertia. It's used to being where it's been. And even, even if that's a newborn, we have newborns come in and they're like, you know, they're, they're not nursing good. They have colic, they have reflux. There's a really, two, two really common things we see with our little, you know, the littlest munchkins that we see. And the parents are like, wait, I have to come here three, four, five months to, for chiropractic? They're just a little, they're only a month old. I'm like, they're, wait, they're not a month old. That little baby is not a month old. That little baby is nine months plus one month. It's 10 months old, right? Now it may be out of the womb for a month, but it is not a one month old baby, right? It's been gestating and growing since it's been a fetus. For whatever reason, that little kid's brain and nerve system, as an example, they're taking, let's say the kid, we were kid last week, horrible colic, uh, screaming every time you would eat. And an hour later, it's like screaming, 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 and tooting all the time and, and, massive you know uh, bulging abdomen and stuff and the mom's like you know i don't understand what's going on i said you know what's going on i said your kid looks at your breast milk and sees it as bad she said what do you mean bad i said your kid is looking at that and instead of taking in saying this is great sustenance for me it's saying this is that mommy is feeding me but it's making me hurt now baby will still feed because it reflexively knows it has to feed but every time it does this it, the, the body is rejecting it. Why? Because the nerve system can't figure it out. So that, and she's like, well, we tried Pepsi, we tried Prevacid, we, the doctor says we need to, to, to do some other kind of drug. I'm like, you could throw all the drugs you want in this kid. The, that, that's not going to solve anything. The, the problem is his brain thinks that something is wrong with your food. And she said, well, maybe I should give him formula. I said, it, it, it wouldn't make a difference what you gave him. The brain is not going to figure out whatever it goes into its tummy, it, it considers bad and it's going to react to it. What you need to do is get the kid adjusted, get the brain and nerve system to understand this is good for me. This is good for me. So when we're doing our little sustained contact adjustments on these kids, we're taking that body that was in, in inertia, right? The body at rest and stay at rest. If you do nothing, this kid will stay that way, stay that way, stay that way. If you start adjusting them, now you're putting movement into that system. You're putting nerve energy, different flow into that system. And now there will be a reaction. But once again, we're not looking for something instantaneous. And that's the thing like we tell our parents all the time. Don't look for something quick because that's not what we're about. What we're about is changing the nerve system. Frequency, intensity, duration. It's going to take time. If you don't, if you're not going to give it time, then don't bother because it's not going to work. We need the time to change the direction. My favorite analogies is like braces on teeth. It's like braces on teeth. How long do the braces take? Did you did you wear braces as a kid? And most people are like, yeah. Well, how long did it take? Two, three years. Okay. Why did it take two or three years? You couldn't do it in a week. 
You can say, hey, doc, that orthodontist, just fix this in a week, right? It's not going to work. It takes time because it's a pattern, right? The teeth have a pattern. It takes time to change that pattern. The brain and nerve system is a pattern, right? When we do our, our exam, when we show all the exam findings, we see this and this and this and this and this and this and this, all these things, this is a pattern. But in 10 visits, we're going to re-examine this. We're going to see the pattern starting to change. Even if we see no actual symptoms change, we're going to see the pattern change. And then 10 more visits, we'll do another re-exam. We'll see more patterns change. And that's how we know we're doing our job. We're not doing it. Our job is, at least in my office, is not based upon symptoms. My job is based on objective findings. What do my findings say is going on with this child, with this adult? That's how I measure things. I measure things completely objectively. So it's not, I'd like symptoms to go away. That's lovely for symptoms to change, but it's not my measurement. My measurement is all on objective measures because I find that's what people really understand. So when we have these Newton's laws that we're working on, my job is to create that Newton's third law, which is for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. We got to make, we got to take the action. And the action is the adjustment. Regardless of what, however it is that we put that adjustment in, doesn't matter. What matters is we need to put that adjustment in to change the way the nerve system works. And if you change the way the nerve system works, that's when the miracles occur. And then I'm reading this paper. <clears throat> I, I, I love reading papers. I'm such a geek. Um, and here's, here's the papers. Postural control in childhood, investigating the neurodevelopmental gradient hypothesis. <clears throat> I just heard Dr. Kristen Burns talking about this. And this is what it says. Listen to this. Despite evidence of comorbidity for autism, ADHD, and Tourette's were previously considered different from each other. Only recently have they been grouped into the single diagnostic category of neurodevelopmental disorders because of substantial overlapping, not only the clinical, but at the neurobiological level. What does that mean? What that means is, is that all these kids that we're seeing with these labels, you got ASD and ADHD and LD and TS for Tourette syndrome and OCD and ODD, you know, all these things, they're, they're not completely separate things, right? In, in, the, in the world out there, in the pharma world, right, they're looked at completely separate things so they could make, well, I got a drug for autism, I got a drug for ADHD, well, I got hundreds of drugs for ADHD, and I got drugs for this, and I got drugs for this, but what this is saying is this is a this is a continuum. This is a gradient. It's a gradient of neurological disconnection. And how disconnected that child is or that adult is will cause whatever symptom it happens to be. But if it's on this part of the spectrum over here, then it's going to cause lesser symptoms. If it's all the way over here, it's going to cause worse symptoms. So here it might cause like mild ADHD, et cetera. Here it might cause severe uh, autism spectrum, you know, like low functioning, minimally speaking kids or people with schizophrenia, right? Fall on this end, right? But it's, but the thing I love about this is it's saying it's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the nerve system. And what does that mean to me? It's our job. You know, I look at this as it's our job. Right. I had a kid come in today, massive concussion. She was in a car accident last year around this time. And she's the, the car, when someone hit her car, she hit her head like this on the roof of the car, right here, prefrontal cortex. This girl's life has been altered, like unbelievably altered. Nobody's looked at her brain. 
they gave her this drug and this drug and they did this therapy and this PT and this. Nobody's looking at her brain and nerve system. Nobody's looking at her eyes. Nobody's looking at her primitive reflexes. Nobody's looking at her balance. Nobody's looking at her posture. So we did all these exams today and the mom is like tearing up saying, I should have brought her in here so much longer ago because this is what she needs. This is what she needs. She needs someone to figure out what's going on with her brain and nerve system. And I'm like, this, like there, there is nothing. I don't care whether it's a concussion. I don't care if it's autism. I don't care if it's lower back pain. It, to me, it's all the same thing. There's a nerve system disconnection. We got to reconnect that nerve system. You know, and you got all these kids, like we're going into, into cold and flu season and watch out, COVID's getting worse again, right? All that kind of stuff. Well, here's another paper that I, I was uh, looking at. Dr. Melillo was talking about this particular author, Kevin Tracy. It's called Approaching the Next Rev Revolution, Evolutionary Integration of Neural and Immune Pathogen Sensing and Response. So what does this talk about? <clears throat> it says that there's been three, two different revolutions in thinking about the, uh, the immune system. The first revolution was understanding that there was the humoral immune system. In other words, like the kind of built-in kind of stuff. And then they realized, oh, there's a cell-mediated immune system, the adaptive. So now you have like the T cells, and they, but they didn't know about that back in the, when they first came up with it. But now then they're all oh, the T cells and the B cells, and they started understanding this kind of stuff. And now they're saying, the latest thing is, um, we're... Today, I believe that the groundwork has been laid for a third revolution in immunological thinking that will integrate the role of neurological feedback circuits into innate and adaptive immunity, including the role of molecular mechanisms through which neurons sense microbes and regulate the output of these particular immune cells. Neurons sense microbes. Neur you mean the nerve system does something? You mean it's actually talking to the immune system? Like this is, this is a paper from like a couple of years ago, and they're just coming up with this? saying, wow, we never realized that the, somehow the, the nerve system is actually the thing is talking to the immune system. Well, I mean, to you and me, it's like, duh. Like we didn't known that since D.D. Palmer was writing stuff in 1890 something or other. But this is the, the science is, here's the thing. Science is catching up to D.D. You understand? Science is catching up to D.D. <clears throat> so John was talking about before about Stevenson. Science is catching up to Stevenson, right? What what our founders, with D.D. Palmer and B.J. and Ralph Stevenson, talked about hundred years ago or more, science is finally catching up and proving it. So when I look at this kind of stuff, to me, it's it's, it's showing me that the path that we've been on is so right, and it's so beautiful, and you know it, it's like. People say, well, you know, you need to prove chiropractic and you, and how could you, you know, it's, it's been proven, man. It's, it's, here's the thing though. It's the sad truth is that chiropractic hasn't proven it, but you take medical articles from different research papers. They've already, they've done the proof for us. What we need, what we need to do is extrapolate what they say into what we say. Right. So I like taking their words and using it in what I say and what I do. And that's how, to me, chiropractic has created something so amazing and so beautiful. And whether you are 
crazy like me and you want to work with kids, especially kids on the spectrum and mentally speaking ones, or you work with back pain, neck pain, headaches, whiplash, or anything in between, it doesn't matter because all of us are doing one thing and one thing only, and that's we're adjusting subluxations. And But understand that behind that, the key thing is that the one thing we're really doing, no matter who's doing it and how it's done, whether it's a Gonstead adjustment, a sustained contact adjustment, network adjustment, BGI, you know, CBP, diversified, full spine, it's changing the brain. No matter what you, no matter what any of us is doing, the one thing we all have in common is if we remove subluxations, yes, but what we're doing when we remove subluxations is we're changing the way that brain works. We're changing, the we, we are using Newton's laws. We're putting motion into a body that did not have motion. We're creating a reaction where the body needed an action to change something. And we're all doing this together for the sake of the kids and the future. So thank you so much for my rant. I think I've run out of steam for now. <laughs>